0: Welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today we welcome back our Senior Minister Tim Healy. But before we get into that, please take a second to subscribe to our podcast. Here's today's message from Tim Healy. Well, good day, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to be with you again and uh, hope that you're all traveling well. I really appreciate this time that we get to spend together in worship and gathering around the Word of God. And after a month-long conversation about the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be changing gears and turning our attention to another incredibly important subject. Of course, remaining as always, dependent on the Holy Spirit and sensitive to what He might wanna say and do. But we're gonna focus on another very important subject, and that is uh, the wisdom of God. And so over the course of the next several weeks, we're gonna be talking about what the wisdom of God is, uh, where to find it, uh, how to apply it to your life, why it matters, and how the wisdom of God very often cuts across the grain of our conventional observational wisdom. And so I really believe that this series is gonna be intensely practical and really helpful. I reckon in a season like this, we could do with bucket loads of courage and a whole lot of wisdom, not only to navigate life in general, but to navigate this unique season that we're in. So I really do believe that this series is going to be helpful. Now, I remember uh, many years ago when I was just at the front end of my spiritual journey and my uh, decision to follow Jesus. I was 17 years of age and I had made a decision to to surrender all that I am to Him and to allow Him and His teaching and His example to shape my life and His Spirit to fill my life. And I was sitting one day reading the Bible and I was in the Gospel of Luke and just trying to familiarise myself with the story of Jesus, which is a good thing to do if you're going to follow Him. And I was in chapter 2 and I came across a single sentence statement it kind of leapt off the page and just punched me in the face. Like I, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, right? Where you're reading the Bible and you come across a verse, or maybe a, 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 an idea, maybe a, a, a passage or a story, and you just are captivated by it. It just arrests your attention, and you just know in that moment, like God is trying to communicate something to you. And that is where the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit is so valuable and so vital, is because he illuminates truth in the Word of God to us like that. And so I had one of those moments. And this single sentence statement is found in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 52. And it's in reference to Jesus when He was just 12 years of age. And it says this, So Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all the people. I read that and I thought, wow, I want that to be my experience. I thought, God, I wanna be able to say as a young man that I am growing in wisdom and I'm growing in favour and I'm growing in favour with you and I'm growing in favour with people. And what I love so much about that statement is that here, Jesus through His own life and example is demonstrating that it is possible for us to grow in wisdom, regardless of how old or young you are. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I think many people when they hear the word wisdom or think of the concept of wisdom, automatically conjure up images of wise old sages, like Gandalf the Grey or Master Yoda, right? Or maybe somebody closer to home like a grandparent or, or, or a parent. The point is simply that we tend to associate wisdom with age. Now, yeah, there is, there is value in longevity and in life experience and those things can potentially lead to wisdom, but it's not a given, In fact, somebody once rightly said, wisdom doesn't always come with age. Sometimes age shows up all by itself. And that's true. And so I've always taken great encouragement from the fact that we can grow in wisdom. And we can grow in wisdom from a very early age. None of us are born with a fixed wisdom quotient at birth. You can acquire wisdom, you can develop wisdom, you can grow in wisdom. And in fact, the younger you are, the more valuable wisdom is. And that is why every encouragement in Scripture is to get it and to get it sooner rather than later. Because if you can acquire the wisdom of God, if you can grow in the wisdom of God, it will be incredibly valuable and beneficial to you. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. I love that. In fact, the book of Proverbs, which is the Old Testament's principal wisdom writing, is addressed to young men. That is the target audience. Now, the wisdom principles contained in Proverbs are universal and they're more widely applicable than that particular demographic. But the target audience of the book of Proverbs are young men between like 12 and 21. And the book of Proverbs says quite explicitly that wisdom promises seven things. I won't elaborate on them in any detail. I'll just give them to you quickly because that's a sermon for another day. But Proverbs says quite specifically that wisdom will protect you. Wisdom will prosper you. Wisdom will promote you. Wisdom will preserve you with long life. Wisdom will empower you with skill and with understanding. Wisdom will fill your heart with peace and wisdom will fill your life with pleasure. Boom. Isn't that awesome? Right. That is what wisdom offers. That is what wisdom promises. That is the promise of the acquisition of wisdom. And so wisdom is incredibly valuable. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul, writing in the New Testament, said this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, Here Paul is saying that wisdom is necessary and the acquisition of wisdom is valuable because the days are evil. That's like a poetic way of saying there are many things that you and I are going to confront every single day that have the potential to trip us up, and to knock us over and to leave us exposed to the many ungodly and unhelpful influences that are at work in our world today. So in that sense, wisdom is a defence. Wisdom is a shield. Wisdom is prevention, not cure. And it's there to protect us from these things that could potentially distract us and undermine us. And it's worth noting here that when we talk about this kind of wisdom, We are talking about something intensely practical. We're talking about wisdom in the Hebrew sense of the concept, right? So there are are two dominant worldviews that we come across in the Scriptures. And the primary dominant worldview of the Scriptures is the Hebrew worldview. The other worldview is the Greek worldview. And in the Hebrew paradigm of wisdom, wisdom is intensely practical. In fact, the word for wisdom in the Hebrew is the word hokna, which is sometimes translated skill. So so the word skill and wisdom are translated interchangeably for this Hebrew concept of hokna. So in the Hebrew mind, wisdom is best defined as skill for living. The ability to live life well. In in the Greek worldview, wisdom is far more cerebral, far more intellectual, uh, far more philosophical. In fact, the word philosophy literally means the love of wisdom from the Greek phileo and sophia literally means the love of wisdom. So in the Greek mind, wisdom is what you know and what you understand. But in the Hebrew mind, wisdom is how you live and it's living life well. And that's precisely why Paul in Ephesians 5 here says, be very careful then how you live. So the value of wisdom and more specifically the wisdom of God is that it enables us to live life well. You wanna live a life that is filled with contentment and resilience and joy and fruitfulness and effectiveness, then you can, but you are gonna need the wisdom of God. And the good news is all of us can grow in wisdom. No matter how old you are or young you are, it's never too late to start and it's never too early to start. So when I was reading that little uh, statement, concerning Jesus growing in wisdom. um, I turned that sense of longing and desire instantly into a prayer. And I literally in the moment prayed and I said, God, I want that to be my experience. I want that to be my portion. I want that to be what mocks me and defines me as a young man. I wanna grow in wisdom. And God, I wanna grow in favour with you and with people. And as soon as I'd prayed that prayer, The Holy Spirit spoke into my heart in that beautiful way that only He can, dropped this thought into my mind, and He said, As clear as a bell, if you want what He had, then do what He did. If you want what He had, then do what He did. I'm like, okay, so what did He do? So I dived back into the Scripture, and I started making my way up through the chapter into the preceding verses to see if I could find out what it was that Jesus did, and I found it. Right? I found it, and I know you're dying to know what it is, so I'm gonna share it with you, right? So we go back into Luke chapter 2 and all the way back up to verse 41, and it says this. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. Now, can I just pause for a moment and quickly interject a thought that may or may not be apparent to you? from this verse that we've just read together. Can I say, parents, you have the power to position your children in places where their hearts can be exposed to the opportunity to grow in the wisdom of God and where their destiny and their purpose and their calling can be discovered and released. It's a very narrow window of opportunity, it's a very short season of life, but you have the opportunity for a time to choose where your children go. You will not always have that opportunity, but you may have it now. And if you do, I want to encourage you to grab hold of it. And I love the fact that the Bible tells us here that Jesus's parents were faithful and consistent and regular in taking Jesus And his brothers and sisters up to Jerusalem for the feasts and the festivals, for the conferences and the gatherings. And I have no doubt whatsoever that Jesus' parents would have been as regular and as faithful and as diligent about other aspects of their shared faith life together as a family. Because I'm pretty sure God would not have entrusted Jesus to parents who are not serious about their faith and their devotion to Him. And so I love the fact that they built this into the rhythm of their life. Now I know, I know, I know, getting your kids to church, getting your kids to connect group, getting your kids to youth, it's hard. It takes sacrifice, it takes planning, it takes commitment, it takes dedication. I know, I've been there and I am there, right? I know it's hard but gosh, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. So parents, I wanna encourage you, as long as you have that season of opportunity to choose where your children go, make sure you are placing them in environments where their hearts are open to the possibility of encountering the wisdom of God and growing through it. Now, having said that, just before you mistakenly assume that Mary and Joseph were the most perfect parents ever, let's read on. Have a listen to what happens next. All right, verse 42 of Luke chapter 2. It says, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. (laughs) But they forgot to check Him out of kids' ministry. I've done that on occasion, but I've never left them here. His parents didn't miss Him at first because they assumed He was among the other travellers. But when He didn't show up that evening, they started looking for Him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find Him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for Him there. Can we just pause for a moment and just appreciate the magnitude of what is going on here? I don't know about you parents, but I take great comfort and consolation in reading this story. Because if you have ever felt like a failure as a parent, if you've ever dropped your son on his head as a baby, not that I have done that, but if you have ever left your kids at school, I have done that. If you have ever accidentally bruised or damaged or <laughs> injured your children in any way, at least you can take comfort and consolation that you did not lose the Son of God, <laughs> right? You did not lose the Saviour of the world, right? This parenting gig is hard. So give yourself some slack. You're doing great, all right? It says three days later, they finally discovered Him. Can you imagine the intensity of those three days? Can you imagine the conversation between Mary and Joseph? Talk about stressful. All right. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. Sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And Luke goes on to tell us in the verses that follow in that chapter, as soon as they got home, Jesus was grounded for three months as a result of that incident. All right. Now, I I grew up, in and around church. And so I was familiar with this story, but in an unhelpful way. And that is simply because for whatever reason, I had developed in my mind a picture or an image of Jesus at age 12, sitting in the temple, teaching all these religious leaders, these scribes and these Pharisees. And I don't know where that image came from. I don't know why it's there. Maybe somebody taught it that way. And I just took it at face value without checking it for myself. But for whatever reason, I always had this unhelpful assumption, this unhelpful picture in my mind that at age 12, Jesus was in the temple and He was teaching all these religious leaders and they were amazed at His teaching. But that is not, as, that is not what's happening here. If you read it carefully, it says that Jesus was doing three things. He was sitting at the feet of the teachers, He was listening to them and He was asking them questions that is not describing the posture of a teacher. That is describing the posture and the position of a learner. Now it is true, the Scripture does say that they were astonished at His comprehension, at His understanding, at His ability to put two and two together. But He was adopting the position and the posture of a learner. And what I love about this is that Jesus here at the tender age of 12 as the personification and the embodiment of the wisdom of God is giving us an example of the path to wisdom. He is is demonstrating the key to unlocking the wisdom of God in your heart and your life. And if you and I are gonna grow in wisdom, regardless of where it is we need to grow in wisdom, whatever area of life we need wisdom in, If we're gonna grow in wisdom, then we are gonna need to make a big commitment to the three things that Jesus does here in this passage. And the three are simply this. Number one, be careful where you sit. Be careful where you sit. Now, I don't mean literally where you place your posterior, although that is good advice to always look before you sit. But I mean specifically, be thoughtful and careful about the environment's that you place yourself in and give careful consideration to the influence that those environments are having on your life. Be thoughtful and careful about who and what you are allowing into your life as a source of influence. In Psalm 1 verse 1, the psalmist said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His Lord day and night. You see where you sit and who you stand with and who you associate with and the environment that you place yourself in, all will have a profound effect on whether or not you grow in wisdom. And what I love about Jesus is that here, even at the age of 12, He had enough sense to know that He needed to make His way to the temple and He needed to be at the feet of the teachers. He needed to be sitting in the presence of people who were able and qualified and capable to expound the Scriptures and to give Him insight and understanding into the implication of those Scriptures and what they meant for His own life and for His own calling. Of all the places that Jesus could have been. He chose to be in the temple. That is profound. So the question is, what environments are you placing yourself in? And what influence are those environments having over the way you see life and live life? Who and what are you allowing into your life as a source of influence? You know, for a lot of people, the primary source of influence in their lives is the entertainment industry. If you think about it, we spend so much time engaging in entertainment media formats that to a large degree they shape how we see life, how we feel about life and some very important aspects of life. So if you are developing your ideas about things like love and, and, and dating and sex and marriage and, and relationships um, from Love Island or The Bachelorette or Farmer once in a wife, you're in trouble, right? You're in trouble. Parents, if you are are putting your children in front of the TV for three hours and in front of YouTube for two hours and in front of the Xbox for four hours and then bringing them to church for one hour every three weeks, you tell me what is gonna be the primary source of influence over the lives of your children? We've got to give careful consideration to what it is that is shaping our values and our beliefs and our, our perspectives and our perceptions. Because if it isn't, the Word of God, it's going to be something else. And I wanna encourage you as you consider that question, what is shaping your life, your values, your beliefs, your priorities? Can I encourage you to make the Word of God the primary source of your wisdom? Now, I know the Word of God, the Scriptures, they're not an exhaustive revelation. They don't tell us everything we could possibly know about life, but they tell us the important things we need to know about life particularly about God and faith and how to live in a way that honours Him. And the Word of God, I mean, it's, it's not it's not an Ikea manual, right? It's not a user's handbook to help you build your best life now, right? That's not what the Bible is meant to be, but it is a revelation of God's heart and God's mind and God's will and God's way and therefore God's wisdom. So make the Word of God the primary source of your wisdom. Because if it isn't the Word of God, it's going to come from somewhere else. David said in Psalm 119 verse 99, he said, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I am wiser than my elders because I keep your precepts. Listen, David is saying, I have wisdom way beyond my years. Why? Because I've made a priority of engaging with your Word, meditating on your law, immersing myself in your revelation. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, Paul said in the New Testament to his young son in the faith, he said, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you wisdom. The wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. I love that. How many of you know the wisest thing any human being on earth can do is put their trust in Jesus? And here Paul is saying, Timothy, you had the wisdom to put your trust in Jesus because you were taught the Scriptures from childhood. Right? Make the Word of God the primary source of your wisdom. And as you consider what it is you're allowing into your life as a source of influence, can I encourage you to consider who you're allowing into your life as a source of influence? Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. He who walks with wise men will be wise. So where are the wise people in your life? Can you name them? Can you point to them? You see, unfortunately, we as human beings have this natural tendency to kind of gravitate towards people who share our weaknesses. We do that because it's, it's protective. We find acceptance, we find affirmation, but we do that to our detriment. We have got to learn the wisdom of deliberately and intentionally getting into the space of people who are getting it right where we're getting it wrong people who are strong in areas where we are weak. We've got to learn to walk with the wise because then we will become wise. So if you are struggling in the area of your finances, find somebody who has mastered the art of managing money and get alongside them and say, hey, can I get into your personal space? Can I spend some time with you? Can I ask you some questions? Can I glean some insight from you? Can you help me get better at this? Um, if you're struggling uh, with your kids and your parenting, then, then find somebody who seems to be doing it well. Somebody whose kids are obedient and, and um, responsible and mature and, and whole. And, and somebody who seems to be succeeding at this parenting thing and go to them and say, hey, can I take you out for lunch? Can I buy you a coffee and just spend an hour talking to you about parenting? Because I know you're not perfect and your kids are not perfect, but it looks like you're doing a pretty good job on this parenting thing and I I don't know what I'm doing. So can you help me? Right? Get amongst the wise and you will become wise. Right? Somebody once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Get amongst wise people and learn from them. All right. So that's the first thing. Be careful where you sit. Be thoughtful and intentional about who and what you allow Into your life as a source of influence and be careful about the environments that you place yourself in. Give thought to how those are influencing you and make sure that where you sit is a place that exposes your heart to the wisdom of God. All right, number two, the second thing that we see Jesus doing and modeling here that I think we need to do if we're gonna grow in wisdom is spend more time listening than speaking. Spend more time listening than speaking. That's harder Some than for others. But Luke tells us clearly that Jesus sat at the feet of the teachers listening to them. You see, wisdom is the reward you get for listening when you would have preferred to speak. Epictetus, the Greek philosopher, what a great name, Epictetus, said, every man has been given one mouth and two ears so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. I love that. I think it's true. Uh, James the brother of Jesus said in James chapter 1 verse 19 my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone everyone no matter how old or young you are regardless of your personality type everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry you see knowledge speaks but wisdom listens That's why right throughout the book of Proverbs, which I referred to earlier is is one of the primary Old Testament wisdom writings. Right throughout the book of Proverbs, you will find a phrase repeated over and over again or a derivative of that phrase. And it's this, listen to my instruction. My son, incline your ear to my words. Hear my instruction. The, The practice of listening, the discipline of listening is so essential to the acquisition of wisdom. But listening is an art. You have to develop it and intentionally so. For some people, the only reason they lack wisdom is because they talk too much. And the fact of the matter is, (laughs) the moment your mouth opens, your ears close, right? You cannot listen while you speak. And so the listening is something we need to be intentional about. In Proverbs 12, verse 15, it says, fools think that their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. The wise listen to others. And of course, one of the hardest things in life to do is to listen when someone is telling you something you need to hear, but don't wanna hear. It's hard to do, but only fools assume that their way is always right. Uh, I've learned this lesson the hard way on many occasions. I I remember when we came here to Australia, uh, we had to redo our driver's license uh, because we come from Africa. If you come from anywhere else in the world, they just hand it to you. Here's your driver's license. But if you come from Africa, they assume you know nothing. And so you have to do it again, right? So we had to do the written test. We had to do the driving test. And and, uh, they said to us, look, you, you, you would better go for lessons and just brush up your skills, else you're gonna struggle to pass. I said, no way. I'm not going for lessons. I've been driving for 15 years, whatever it was. I know how to drive. I remember how to check my mirrors. I'm not paying for lessons. My wife said, I'm paying for lessons. And she did. Paid for a lessons, did the test, passed first time. I went for my first lesson, uh, sorry, for my first test and uh, I didn't get out the parking lot. I literally failed before I even got out of the parking lot. But being the stubborn man that I was back then, I, uh, I decided I'm not going to pay for lessons, I'm going to try again. So I booked a second test, I went out for a second test and I, I got out of the parking lot, but I failed within about five minutes, right? And then I said, all right, okay. It's time to heed, right? Heed the word of instruction. And so I booked a lesson and uh, I went out for the third test and passed with 100%, no problems, right? The only thing harder than hearing the word of instruction is hearing the word of correction, right? And, and none of us want to, want to heed the word of instruction. And as a result, we have to deal with the pain of correction. Listen to this, Proverbs 15, 31. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 5, better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 11, the words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful, but helpful. (laughs) I love that. Here's the point. Here's the point that the wisdom writers are making. If you listen to the voice of instruction, you will avoid the pain of correction. So spend more time listening than speaking. And then finally, number three, spend more time asking questions than giving opinions. Spend more time asking questions than giving opinions. Jesus sat at the feet of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. You see, you can tell if someone is clever by their answers, but you can tell if they are wise by their questions. Uh, Many of you have heard me say before, you know, we, we live in the age of opinion. And that's not to say that this is the first time in human history that people have opinions. We've had opinions for a long time, but this is the first time in human history where we are all capable of sharing our opinions freely and widely, whether they are asked for or not. And the problem is we all love our opinions and we often confuse our opinions with facts and we inflict our opinions on other people. Uh, We treasure our opinions and when people uh, don't agree with our opinions and we write them off or we disrespect them, but the problem is, Your opinions are not worth a ball of belly button fluff to anyone but you, right? That's my opinion. (laughs) But the point is, the path to wisdom does not lie in giving great opinions, but in asking great questions. So how inquisitive are you? Do you have a curious mind? When you get into the presence of successful people, do you try to impress them with your knowledge or persuade them with your opinions? Or or do you try to learn from them with your questions? Have you mastered the art of asking great questions? So wisdom is valuable. Wisdom is vital. Wisdom is the key to living life in a way that is fruitful, effective, enjoyable, and meaningful. And the good news is the wisdom of God is freely available to all who recognize its value, all who desire it all who wanted the thing is that wisdom comes at a price you see many people want what wisdom offers but not what wisdom requires many people want what wisdom offers but not what wisdom requires we want the promotion the protection the, the prosperity the blessing the favor that wisdom promises but wisdom comes with a price And so if we are going to enjoy what wisdom offers, we have to be willing to embrace what wisdom requires. And the path to discovering the wisdom of God begins with being careful where we sit, being willing to spend more time listening than speaking, and being willing to spend more time asking questions than giving opinions. If you want to live a life that fills your heart and your experience of life with contentment, fulfillment, meaning, purpose, And resilience, you are gonna need the wisdom of God. And perhaps the best place to start is to start where I did 30 years ago with a simple prayer. In James 1 verse five, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. And right at the beginning of this series, I'd love to take a moment to pray for all of us, to pray for you, to pray for me, to pray for our team, that all of us over the course of the next few weeks, they're gonna grow in our understanding of the wisdom of God and our ability to apply it to our lives. So how about you take a moment to bow your heads, close your eyes and join with me as I pray for you. And if there's a particular area of life in which you need the wisdom of God, just hold that up in your heart before God right now. And we're gonna believe together with you for God to lead you and guide you into His wisdom for that area of life. Father, we thank You so much for the wonderful gift of Your Word. We thank You for the gift of Your Spirit. And we want to thank You for the gift of Your wisdom. Father, as the originator and the designer of life, You know best how life ought to be lived. And I know, Father, that it's Your desire that we flourish in life, that we enjoy freedom, that we enjoy meaning and purpose, that we live our lives in a way that not only bless us, but bless others. And I know, Father, that your wisdom is the key to a life like that. And so I pray, Father, as we begin this conversation over the next few weeks, as we dive into your Word, as we explore what it is that you have revealed through the pages of Scripture, as we share our insights and our stories and our experiences with each other, I pray that you would take all of us, God, on a journey deeper into your wisdom. That we would, as Paul said, live as those who are wise, not those who are unwise. So that through our lives, you would be honoured and glorified and the people of this world would be blessed. And we ask this all in the beautiful and the wonderful name of Jesus and everyone who agreed said, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com. And if you want any information about Riverview Church, you can find that at riverviewchurch.com.